Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we go behind the headlines. Once again, Governor Greitens continues to make those headlines here and across the country following a big court ruling against him and a new legal challenge from his fellow Republican Attorney General Josh Hawley. Joining me in studio for some detail and analysis are St. Louis Public Radio political reporter Jason Rosenbaum and Washington University law professor Peter Joy. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Jason, let me begin with you. The big headline of the week concerning the governor, I guess, was uh, Judge Burleson's dismissal, a refusal to dismiss charges against him. I would say it's one of the big headlines. You could make an argument that it was not the most significant thing that happened this week because it was such a huge week in this saga. But what ended up happening was Judge Burleson uh, ruled that he was not going to dismiss the case. The reason he was considering doing that was uh, a investigator that was hired by St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner um, apparently made false statements during a deposition. The defense was arguing that uh, Gardner didn't do enough to correct those misstatements. Mm-hmm. And so the end result is not throwing the case out, but several witnesses will end up being redeposed, which uh, obviously I'm sure Greitens attorneys would have probably preferred the case to be thrown out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see a scenario during those redo depositions where they – get things that end up helping their case, potentially. I mean, we can't predict the future, but they certainly have that opportunity. Sound right to you, Peter Joy? Yeah, it does. And also, the judge's decision not to dismiss the case is not surprising. Uh, As he pointed out, uh, there are ways to correct the issues brought up by the parent, false statements by the investigator, uh, and those depositions, the follow-up depositions are going to be a way of doing that. So um, it's, there's still time to make sure that there's due process for Governor Greitens. Well, you're an ethics specialist. What, what do you make of, uh, of these misstatements? I mean, <laughs> the guy did not tell the truth, apparently. Yeah, though um, um, I think it's bad and it's really horrible. But the problem is uh, I've seen those kinds of misstatements in other cases that go forward. Oftentimes there's a discrepancy between what a police officer puts in his report or her report and what you see on a body cam or a recorded uh, conversation. So the real question is, is uh, how harmful are those misstatements to seeing that a fair trial is going to take place and when there are ways of correcting it? So in this instance, we'll have a deposition. When that investigator testifies, I'm sure uh, at a trial, he'll be cross-examined and every one of those misstatements will be brought out. And then it'll be up for a jury to decide, did they give any credit to the investigator? Uh, and if so, what, what kind of credit or do they just discredit him because of the inconsistency? Consistencies in misstatements. Uh, Jason, the circuit attorney did not get off the hook uh, necessarily either with this ruling. I, I don't think so. And I, I think that the judge was pretty clear that he was not happy with the way her, her office had, has conducted itself. I mean, what ended up happening here is this investigator, Tisby, uh, was told in a deposition that he didn't take notes during this deposition. And it, it and then the video for this deposition worked, and it was pretty obvious he was taking notes. Mm-hmm. And I think what the defense attorneys, and I guess what is kind of implicit in what Judge Burleson said, is you know Gardner has to correct those types of things when somebody is under oath. 
I mean, she was I, – I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think she would might have been in the room too when that deposition was going on. So um, e- e- even if she wasn't, if she knew for a fact that Tizaby was taking notes and he said on the stand that he, he, he wasn't, I mean, she has to correct that that falsehood, essentially. I, I wouldn't call it a misstatement. I mean, it's, it's just patently not true, and it was proven by that video. And I, I would not be surprised if Tizaby faces some legal trouble down the road for, for doing that, because it was under oath. Yeah, well, well I, two points here. The first one is, uh, as Jason says, there's a duty of candor toward the tribunal so that when one of your witnesses says something that's false or misleading, you have an affirmative obligation to correct it. So at a deposition, if you have a witness who is saying something that's false, what you have to do is stop the deposition, ask to talk to your witness mm-hmm. and, and say, look, you're going to have to correct this or I'm going to correct it. And then you go back on. Um, sometimes it, it might be a misunderstanding. Other times it could be somebody trying to shade the truth in a way or, or say an untruth that they think is calculated to help them. But you have that obligation. As far as what's going to happen to him, uh, perjury charges would be the most likely if there's anything. But um, perjury against uh, whether it's a law enforcement officer for testifying falsely or an investigator, those are pretty rare. And in this instance, uh, we would even have to have a special prosecutor now to to make that determination because the circuit attorney's office would be compromised in that it's their investigator who now allegedly has, has uh, you know potentially committed perjury. And it's clear it's like even the circuit attorney's office conceded during a Monday hearing that uh, Tizaby did not do a good thing. Like like uh, uh, Durker, who is now a circuit attorney, basically said in very colorful language, that's what's happened, which I, I, I admit I haven't sat through hundreds of trials as a reporter. I've sat through a lot. I've never seen the prosecution admit that their investigator messed up that badly. Does Tizaby have any explanation for these misstatements? I'm not 100 percent sure, and I'm sure that's going to be asked about during this redo deposition. I, I would assume that's the case, and if it's not asked about, then I don't know why the defense wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely that's that's going to be asked, and it's going to be asked probably 10 ways to Sunday uh, to, yeah. to see if he's consistent in whatever explanation he gives. And and uh, Circuit Attorney Gardner has been told by Judge Burleson to, to toe the line on any further evidence. And, and the Burleson was very clear on this, that uh, the rules that govern uh, handing over evidence and, and whatnot are, are not mere guidelines. You have to follow them. Mm-hmm. And um, he was pretty serious about that. And again, I think that Greitens' attorneys probably would have preferred this case be dismissed. Um, there is opportunity for them to to make a positive out of this with the redo depositions. But um, I, I wouldn't say Gardner got out of the situation without um, – without some negativity toward her way. Right. And, and, and also, um, Judge Burleson left open the fact that he might impose the cost of these redo depositions on the circuit attorney's office. So they may end up literally paying for the mistake. Very much so. Are those, would that be expensive? 
I mean, how expensive might it be? Uh, well, g- g- given the number of defense Boys. lawyers on the team and what the judge then would term to be reasonable, but uh, I, I easily see this running into several thousands of dollars uh, if he follows through with what I read as a fairly clear statement that he's left open the door to do it. Jason, uh, Circuit Attorney Gardner uh, may have another decision to make with regard to Governor Gretens. Yes, and this came out on Tuesday. Uh, Attorney General Josh Hawley announced to a room full of reporters that there was evidence to possibly charge Greitens with illegally obtaining a fundraising list from The Mission Continues, which is a charity that Greitens co-founded before he ran for office. Uh, Hawley said that his office does not have the jurisdiction to charge Greitens directly, so he's handed over this evidence to Gardner's office. And apparently the statute of limitations is very soon. I think it, Rachel Lipman reported, I think it's on Sunday. But that's right, Sunday the 22nd. I, I don't know if there's some wiggle room that since courts are closed on Sundays, maybe they could do it on Monday or whether they would have to do it on Sunday. Um, but it provides another big decision for, for Gardner um, because I, I, I don't know how the felony invasion of privacy trial is going to shake out. I'm not an attorney, and I'd rather not speculate on that. And I don't really want to speculate on, on the seriousness of this either. But given the fact that the governor has signed a Missouri Ethics Commission consent order acknowledging that this fundraising list was used for political purposes and also pointing out that the mission continues has adamantly said that they did not hand this list over many times, including to to me in several emails – there's a lot of explaining to do, and, it, and this could be a pretty serious situation for the governor. Yeah, and and, and the thing that's a real puzzle is um, Attorney General Hawley has had over a year to, to start his investigation. He didn't even start it until March of this year. Um, you know that the as Jason indicated, uh, there was an admission in April of 2017 that this list was obtained. Uh, Then in February of of, uh, this year, 2018, the Post-Dispatch had a story uh, that made it very clear that, in fact, the list was turned over in January, not uh, back in in March of 2015, which is what um, Greitens agreed had occurred. And also, they valued it uh, at $600, which under the law at the time for tampering with computer data to become a felony, it had to be worth $500 or more. So they, in essence, have admitted to the value uh, of this with, with that statement. But Holly was sitting on this uh, in not doing anything in, until all the news started uh, becoming bad for Governor Greitens. And, and then finally, he looked into it and, and turned over with less than a week to the circuit attorney's office, whatever evidence he came up with. And I just want to add, too, that even before this announcement, uh, Holly's possible opponent in the U.S. Senate race, Claire McCaskill, was making that exact argument in, in Hannibal in March. She was like, you know, this situation was not new. If you thought that this was so bad, why didn't you start an investigation sooner? Now, now Holly has said, you know, they're, they're working as fast as they can and they, they had evidence uh, at a certain point in time. But, you know, Holly's conduct during this, uh, whether it be investigating uh, the Confide app 
are investigating this is going to be fair game in that Senate election. And it's also fair game to how he's doing his job as attorney general. Let's take politics out of it for a second. Yeah, well, you know, and also there's an ethics issue to this too uh, in that uh, Hawley called for Greitens to resign, you know, and so he's mixing politics with his job as a top law enforcement uh, prosecutor. And and in fact, there's even a, a um, it's not a binding uh, requirement, but there's something that the National District's Attorneys Association put out for prosecution standards, and it says that a prosecutor should excuse himself or herself from an investigation, prosecution, or other matter where personal interest of the prosecutor would cause a fair-minded, objective observer to conclude that the prosecutor's neutrality, judgment, or ability to administer administer the law in an objective manner may be compromised. And one has to say, you know, uh, is he a politician, you know, or is he acting as a prosecutor? You know, if he wants to run for office, uh, you know, that's absolutely his right. But he's got to do it in an ethical way as a prosecutor here. We have to take a break. A couple of points I want to make before we do that. Our political editor, Fred Ehrlich, has weighed in on this and advises us the uh, deadline for the statute of limitations is a midnight Monday. Oh, okay. And once, if charges are filed, the statute of limitations just goes right. away altogether. Okay. Right. Another thing, I want to be clear on what the potential charges could be uh, against the governor if, uh, if Kim Gardner does, um, in fact, charge him. Is he charged with obtaining the, uh, the records, the donor records, illegally or because charged with uh, the, the value of those records or both? Okay. I- I, I think it's obtaining it illegally. That's my understanding. And it has it, there's, there's some element of computer tampering as well because that Michigan Continues is contending that they did not give the Greitens campaign this list voluntarily. But it's a felony charge if the value is more than $500. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Got to take that break. We'll do that now. We'll continue with Behind the Headlines in a moment with attorney Peter Joy and also with political reporter Jason Rosenbaum. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with law professor Peter Joy and also with St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum. Anything else about this uh, this donor thing that we should be discussing, Peter? One, one thing comes to mind, there are an awful lot of names on that list, and are, are the donors protected in, in any way? Well, th- that's what the uh, statute tampering with computer data is meant to do. Uh, even if you come into a list like that, you're not supposed to disseminate that information or make anything public, uh, and, and that's what happened here. Um, I've, I've heard from individuals who happen to have contributed to the mission continues who were, you know, surprised that they ended up starting to get these uh, solicitations. Uh, and, and, you know, if you recall, Greitens uh, vehemently denied prior to the election in October of 2016 that uh, his campaign had that list. And then later in April of 2017, that's when he signs off that and admits that they had in, and used that list. Paid a small fine, as I right. recall. It was, about a, it was basically a $100 Missouri Ethics Commission fine. It was $1,000, but they were able to pay a percentage of it. Um, and I, I think the reason why the mission continues is pushing back so ferociously is that, you know, I've, I've encountered people that have benefited from the mission continues oh, yeah. before. It, it, it seems to do genuinely good work to veterans. Um, and I think that they rightfully fear that the idea that their their donors 
could be also helping Greitens' political campaign hurts their ability to to operate. So I, I think that they I think that they are, are are justifiably worried about that, and that's probably why they've been so upfront in saying that nobody from our agency gave Greitens this list. Does Mission Continues or do Mission Continues and individual donors have a case to be made, a legal, a legal case to be made against the governor, Peter? Well, um, <clears throat> I I don't know in, in terms of them bringing private actions against the governor. I, you know, it's possible, uh, I think, uh, you know, both for Mission Continues itself and also for the individual donors. But that would be a really costly enterprise. And uh, if at least uh, his defense team on the pending criminal case is is any indication, you know, he would use uh, all of his campaign money that he could to fight back any kind of lawsuit. But if he's already kind of fessed up to, to, to this list and paid a small fine, I mean, that's got to be extremely damaging to any case that could be brought against him. One would think so, but, but you know, the way the legal process works, uh, it would take probably literally years to eventually get to that point. Yeah, I, I, just as I don't want to predict <clears throat> what will happen with his felony invasion of privacy trial, I don't want to predict the outcome of this because we haven't seen the evidence and we don't know what will happen. So, Yeah, I, I'm not asking for a prediction. Just oh, I, I, I know. Way. I just want to emphasize that. It's yeah, sometimes right. important to note that we can't predict the future. And the governor has gone on the offensive uh, this week as well, Jason, uh, with regard to the attorney general. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the statement in front of me, but right after this press conference, he released what I consider an extraordinary statement where, uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, uh, it's a good thing that Josh is good at press conferences compared to the law. And it really burst into the open political discourse a very nasty political schism between Greitens and Holly. It's at a time when Republicans in Missouri clearly don't need this. Uh, they need a united front in order to get someone like Holly to defeat Claire McCaskill. I don't think the fact that Greitens and Holly are fighting like this is particularly helpful. And I, I, and I also don't think that there's much precedent to see two statewide officials of the same party battle each other with this much ferocity. The, the one possible corollary that I remembered yesterday was that then-Governor Matt Blunt and then-State Treasurer Sarah Steelman disagreed on certain issues. But they weren't calling on each other to resign, and they weren't questioning each other's competency. So it's it's something – but it's just like one development that is, I don't want to say minor in the grand scheme of things, given all the totality of events. But had it happened on its own, it would have been probably one of the biggest news stories sure. of the year politically. Well, he's asking for a restraining order against the attorney general. And it basically goes to what uh, Professor Joy said earlier, that Greitens and his attorneys do not feel Holly can be impartial because Holly has already called for Greitens to resign Holly has said that calling for somebody's resignation does not immune, immunize somebody from possible criminal prosecution. But, um, you know, we'll have to see how that pans out. I'm, I'm not really sure um, what will happen there. It, 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 it certainly uh, makes the political intrigue even more politically intriguing. <laughs> Your thoughts on that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, just that um, – uh, 
the statement that because you know Hawley now has sort of uh, revealed himself uh, in, in the sense of um, not being impartial when it comes to Governor Greitens, uh, that doesn't mean that nobody could do the investigations that need to be done. There are mechanisms in place, but but I you know one has to agree as soon as Hawley called for Greitens to resign, for him to be involved in anything else having to do with an investigation or prosecution of Governor Greitens, that that would undermine people's belief in the legal system. Yeah, it would be like, okay, so this situation with the list came out in 2016, October 2016. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, Attorney General Coster could have done exactly what Holly did, but he clearly didn't because uh, Coster and Greitens were running against each other. And I don't think Coster wanted to use the office of attorney general to help his campaign. I, I, there are many things you can say about Chris Coster, but having known him for uh, you know, almost 10 years, he took his job as attorney general very seriously. And I, didn't, I would, be, would have been shocked if he would have used his office that way. So that's just a hypothetical example of how there would have been a clear conflict of interest and why perhaps – it's taken this long. Where has this request for a restraining order been filed? Uh, well, uh, based on what I know at this point, I think it was just some a statement. Maybe uh, I, I don't know if it was. Statement. I don't know if it was Cole County that, or St. Louis, okay. but it was one of those places. Okay, yeah. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, Don. Yeah, I'm just being told Either by the magic computer here that it wasn't wasn't Cole County. Oh, okay. Well, Cole there you go. <laughs> it's where it's where it's where all great legislation is filed in Missouri. Uh, we have uh, just a little over a minute left. Uh, anything else, Jason? We should be pointing at. Uh, in the Greitens case. The one other big development was both House Speaker Todd Richardson and Senate President yeah. Pro Tem Ron Richard called mm-hmm. on Greitens to resign. Uh, again, we're, we're dealing with a lot of different events here, but it is a pretty unprecedented move for the leaders of the Missouri General Assembly to call for a governor of their own party to resign. I don't think that's ever happened before. The only other comparable example is Judy Moriarty, but she was Secretary of State, not Governor. Well, the uh, trial is still set for May 14th, and there could be a special session amongst the uh, of the legislature to deal with these issues, resignation and impeachment uh, at that time. The fun never stops, Don. <laughs> right. Final, a final thought, Peter, in 10 seconds? Oh, this story still has a lot of time to go. It does indeed. Peter Joy, I want to thank you so much for joining us for Behind the Headlines. Right, Jason thank you. Jason Rosenbaum, good to thank see you, you again. Thank you.